Welcome to the Money Mindset Podcast, where you will find the inspiration and motivation you need to manage your money better so you can stress less and live the life you want. This is Ashley with Budgets Made Easy and the Money Mindset Podcast. And today I have a fun interview with Kristen Stones from Sense and Purpose about how her and her family paid off $55,000 in well, under 20 months. You heard that right. $55,000 in less than two years while she uh, wanted to stay at home with her kids. She was working part-time and they're just an average family that didn't know where their money was going and all the things. It's stressed out, money stress, financial stress, all the things. So Uh, Before we dive into her interview, I do want to let you know about a free budgeting workshop that I am doing uh, this week, actually. So uh, if you want more information about that, you can go to leads.budgetsmadeeasy.com slash budgeting dash workshop, and I will link to it in the show notes because I know that's a lot to remember. So be sure to sign up for that. That'll be the first week of March, March 3rd or 4th. And if you're listening to this after those dates, you can see if the replay is available or you can get your free budget starter kit if you don't already have that at budgetsmadeeasy.com slash start. So let's dive into how they were able to pay off all that debt. Well, hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your journey and your story for paying off debt because, you know, people just get inspired by seeing other people have success and doing things that they want to do as well. Um, And they just don't always feel that it's possible for them, especially when it comes to paying off debt. So I love sharing these stories and we are going to dive into your story today. And I actually don't know a lot about your story. So I'm looking forward to learning more about you as we've known each other, I feel like for years now. Um, But this is the first time you've been on the podcast to share your story. So thank you for being here with us today. I am excited to be able to share a little bit about my story with your listeners, because I think you just never really know what's going to resonate with somebody. So hopefully somebody that hears this will feel inspired and get to work getting themselves out of debt. Absolutely. So can you just give us a little bit of background information about, um, you know, maybe where your family was situation um, while you were in debt and kind of what made you want to transition into paying off debt? Like what was your big moment? Yeah. So we definitely have a come to Jesus moment, or that's what I like to call it. Um, I could talk about this topic for hours. So I'm going to try and be concise here My husband and I uh, met when I was, I think, 21, and neither of us had any money in our bank accounts, nothing. Um, We got engaged very quickly and immediately started saving for a wedding. So almost immediately, we had that uh, financial stress of trying not to spend anything, trying to watch our expenses. Meanwhile, we were 21, so we constantly wanted to go out to the bars with our Mm -hmm. friends and We're constantly wasting money. Uh, And unfortunately, that that stress, that money stress that we felt from trying to save for this wedding just never seemed to ease up. Even once the wedding was over, then we wanted to save for a house. Then we got pregnant and we're having a baby. And 
looking back, we made enough money. We actually made fine money. You know, we weren't making humongous incomes, but we both probably made uh, an average income and we didn't drive fancy cars. We never lived in a fancy house, but it was those day-to-day spending habits that really just um, started to add up. And because neither of us were great managing our money, we were both spenders, we were both too impulsive, instead of balancing one another out, uh, it kind of went the other direction. And before we knew it, we did start to accumulate this debt. And it was normal debt, if you want to uh, put that in air quotes, normal. I had some student loans, we had two car loans, we had our mortgage, and we both did have a little bit of credit card debt, nothing too substantial. Um, But as time went on, we continued to be more and more stressed and uh, had another baby, moved a couple of times. And my dream had always been to be able to stay home and raise my kids. I was happy to work from home and raise my kids. I didn't want to just, I wasn't necessarily looking for my husband to support me and me not to work. I just wanted to be home. So throughout that time, I kept leaving jobs and trying to make an MLM work or leaving jobs and trying to make another side business work. And it just, it wasn't happening. Back then it was really difficult uh, pre-pandemic. It was difficult to find work from home, actual good opportunities to support a family. So um, long story short, all of this back and forth and and the debt continuing to accumulate just really started to take a toll on our marriage. Uh, We at that point had probably been married almost 15 years. And we really did not have even one year that we didn't feel completely riddled with financial stress because of our debt and income constraints, um, spending habits. And I think it just really uh, kind of came to a head. And about four or five years ago, uh, like I said, we kind of had our come to Jesus moment and I remember just things had gotten so bad and we were barely talking and we were both so frustrated. And I remember us sitting at the dining room table and he said the D word, he said divorce. And that was something that we had never, ever said our entire marriage. And something just kind of clicked. I was like, that's it. Like, this is not going to ruin our marriage. Um, And you know, we kind of had a little bit of a talk, a little bit of a fight, a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a realization that we were both at our breaking point. And I think it was maybe the next day I somehow found, I swear it was divine intervention. I somehow saw an ad or, or something about a personal finance class at a local church. It was not our church. And I asked him if he would go with me, expecting him to say no. He said yes. We went and um, it really just, even the first class, he kind of sat there with his arms crossed and he was all stiff and he, he wasn't into it. And then over the course of the class, I could see him kind of softening a little bit. And by the time we left there, we were both so excited and we just felt so motivated and so inspired. And that's it. The next day we got to work, um, went as hard as we could and eventually uh, ended up paying off just under $55,000 of debt. And it took us a total of just under the 20 month mark. That is amazing. So what do you feel like kind of helped 
push him along uh, to get on board with it? Just besides like the class, like what in the class or what concept just kind of, or maybe it was just hearing it over and over and just time uh, finally got him on board. Because I hear this every day from people. How do I get my spouse on board? Yeah, you know, I really think we both had to get on board. We had tried so many times over uh, the the previous decade and a half of our marriage to budget. And I, I'm such a super nerd. I love spreadsheets. So probably once a year, I would sit down and I would come up with this budget spreadsheet and put us on a budget and tell him that's it. You know, I'm laying down the law and we have to stop spending and so on and so forth. And every single time we would fail and we would mm -hmm. fail fast because we just really didn't have the income to support our lifestyle, even though it wasn't lavish by any means. And, um, you know, Ashley, I really do believe that there is such like timing is such a factor sometimes mm -hmm. when you are making these humongous life changes. And I do believe that even though we both tried so many times, maybe one of us was more into it than the other at that time, or one of us, um, was feeling some type of way about it and didn't want to share. And I just think it was the timing that we both just kind of intrinsically knew this was it. It's now or never. And either we do something now, we both were well aware that our finances were the root of our marriage issues mm -hmm. and everything kind of, I mean, no marriage is perfect, of course, but everything stemmed from that. And again, we had never experienced marriage that wasn't covered by this dark cloud of financial stress. So I think we both just just kind of knew this is it. This is our one shot. And I think that that led to us both having more of an open mind and an open heart to just hear what was said in the class. But I almost think we could have attended anything at that point. I think it was, you know, for him, that third party saying things that resonated with us, saying things that made sense to us instead of our spouse telling mm -hmm. us, which can often feel like an attack or an accusation. And um, sometimes you just need that, that more objective voice to speak into what's going on and then you're able to actually hear it. Absolutely. So once you guys were kind of on the same page, you're ready to actually like follow through and do this. What were some of the things that you did to um, get going on paying off the debt, cut back spending, you know, kind of all those nitty gritty details? <laughs> so the first thing that we did is what I now uh, call taking your financial inventory. I didn't really know that's what we, we were doing at the time, but since I've kind of refined this process, that's what I refer to it as. And I, I think it's impossible to really get a good picture of where you want to go and create a good game plan of, of how you want to proceed with this journey until you have a clear understanding of where you're at mm -hmm. right now in this moment. And we did not have that. So we sat down, uh, and by we, I mean me, I sat down, <laughs> I did it all and then, uh, kind of called him in later so that I could explain he's really not, he just doesn't have the interest. Uh, and again, I am a super nerd, so I love to kind of organize everything, categorize everything. So I'm definitely the person who loves to manage the money and manage the budget. So mm -hmm. I got every single thing together, sat down, spread it out on my dining room table. And 
listed out all of our debts. And of course I was, I was aware of what we had, but putting it down on paper and having those numbers really stare back at you, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just, I can't even think of a word. It's just much more impactful. It really is. It, it's scary depending on your situation. It can feel incredibly overwhelming and it was very emotional, but okay. Now, you know, mm -hmm. you know where you're at and you know where your baseline is. And now I felt like we were able to make a plan. So I just put everything out. And then the next thing I did was I set incredibly aggressive goals and uh, I remember doing this at night on the notes app in my phone when my husband was completely knocked out. And I was so excited and so pumped uh, once I kind of laid this timeline out. And again, it was very aggressive. So I uh, accidentally kicked my husband on purpose so I could wake <laughs> him up and say, oh, I didn't realize you were awake. Let me show you this. And he was like, you are insane. Let me go to sleep. He's like, there is no way we are going to reach those goals because we did not make a lot of money. I mean, at that point, uh, I had gone back to work again to work somewhere part-time because again, I knew we were at our breaking point. And if we didn't get an influx of more income, we wouldn't be able to pay anything off. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, he's like, go to sleep. You have to, <laughs> you have to work in the morning. Um, but we really didn't have a huge income. I, I say, you know, his is probably slightly above average and uh, mine was part-time. It was a, a decent part-time income, but it was still part-time. So he's like, there's no way we're going to reach that. And then we uh, got to work setting up our budget and, and really tried to make it realistic. And I think that's one of the things that made us fail so many times in the future, we would create this idealistic budget. Mm -hmm. It wasn't realistic, right? Exactly. And when you have an idealistic budget, much like we did, we would fail every single month. And, and then you're like, this sucks. I'm not doing this. It makes you feel bad. It makes um, you lose even more hope about your financial situation. So we would give up. And this time there was no giving up. So month after month, we just would refine, revise, review and try again. And then of course, uh, the last part of it was really the debt snowball system. So we laid all our debts out and um, just got to work and put everything extra that we could on that smallest debt and just kept going up the line until they were all paid off. That's amazing. So what were some of the things that you did with your budget to make it more realistic? Because this is something that I try and stress to people all the time, because if you don't make a realistic budget for you, like you said, you can't, you can't stick to it. Like it's impossible. So, um, can you give us like a, an example of kind of how you made it realistic and work for you so that you could actually stick to it? Absolutely. So I don't know if I was necessarily aware of this at the time, but now looking back um, in hindsight, I realized the thing that helped us the most that I don't know we've ever, we had ever done before in the past, you know, your fixed expenses are your fixed expenses, mm -hmm. right? So unless you're really going to dig in and call and negotiate your bills, which of course is a great option. If you have a small budget, that wasn't something we were necessarily doing at the time. We, uh, Again, when we took that financial inventory, we made a list of all of our expenses, all the things that we pay or take care of each month, each quarter, 
uh, bi-yearly, yearly, because in the past we had forgot about the bi-yearly mm -hmm. and yearly bills and they sneak up on you. So it's important to, again, to really have that bird's eye view and make sure you're including everything because when you're on a very tight budget and you're trying to take every extra dollar you have and you don't have a huge income to begin with, any additional expense that you overlook or you forget to include can really derail your progress mm -hmm. and then you're discouraged. So the point is you really want to, to set yourself up to be encouraged by your own progress along the way. So for us, that meant really digging into our spending. And that's something I don't think we paid as much attention to in the past when we were creating those idealistic budgets. We were like, okay, we'll spend $500 on food. But when I really dug in, we were spending $800 to $1,000 on food for four of us. Two of those were young kids every single month. And that blew me away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely blew me away. So it's, there's, it's no wonder we couldn't make a budget work. It's no wonder we were having to charge our last week of expenses on a credit card every single month to bridge that gap because we literally ran out of money before the month ended because our spending was just too high for our income to support it, period. And we may not have been spending on uh, dinners out every night or fancy handbags but it doesn't really matter what you're spending. Overspending is overspending, right? So if, if your income can't support it, then you're spending too much money, period. And I think really taking the time, going back through our uh, previous bank statements, previous credit card statements, um, trying to gather any information that you can on your spending habits in different categories is really I think what comes down to uh, what what is what is the difference between a successful or an unsuccessful budget? Um, you just need that clarity, and it's not about. I think most people shy away from that, including myself, because you like intrinsically you probably know you're spending too much, but you really don't want to come to terms with that. You mm -hmm. really don't want to admit it because then you have to change your habits, right? And that's really the hardest part. I mean, the budgeting, the spending, the, the finances, the debt, it's all about our habits at the core and changing our habits sucks. Like yeah. bad habits can be comforting, right? right. <laughs> so exactly. um, I think that was the main thing we did that really uh, made a difference. And just taking some extra time to uh, really learn how to manage the budget and check in with it um, throughout the budget period. I think in the past, we would make that budget in the beginning, we would uh, live our life the entire month. And then we'd come back at the end and be like, uh, what happened? <laughs> uh, what happened? Right, exactly. what happened? Again, it, it's just discouraging. Whereas if you're catching some stuff <laughs> throughout the month, you're maybe able to pivot or course correct a little bit exactly. um, along the way. Yes. So um, your story sounds so much like mine. So I'm curious what you did or if you can give us a little bit more details or tips on how you went from spending $800 or $1,000 on food down to a more realistic amount. Because this was exact same for my husband and I. We had two little kids and we were spending like $1,200 a month. And oh my gosh, like, I don't feel as bad. <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with us? I was spending all, and one was a newborn, like, and she was breastfed. Like, it, there, there was no <laughs> excuse to spend $1,200 a month on food. That's so, funny. Yeah. 
Okay. So yeah, I can I love talking about this actually, because you probably are already aware of this, but in case any of your listeners don't know, for the majority of us, at least here in the United States, I can't speak to other areas. Food is almost always our second biggest expense, mm-hmm. usually only second to our housing costs, right? Now, of course, there's some people that drive super expensive cars and maybe they're flip-flop, but uh, so that, that we were in line with that, that rule of thumb there. And, uh, you know, the, that is kind of like your gift and your curse, right? You see that you're way overspending and you're spending too much money in this super high expense category. But when you're spending a lot of money in something that is a variable expense, that also means that you have a lot of opportunity to cut costs in that area. So I really just tried to figure out, um, of course, where can we cut costs? And the very biggest thing was meal planning and not just meal planning here and there, like I had done in the past, but consistent meal planning every single week. Uh, That is what made the biggest difference because like most people, I would go to the store, I would spend forever at the store because I'm a label reader. I would eat very clean at that point. So I had to, you know, read the label and 18 jars of pasta sauce. And then of (laughs) course I'd be buying one that's way too expensive. So first of all, um, just prioritizing my family's financial health over me uh, wanting to eat, you know, you can eat healthy affordably. You don't have to spend a million dollars on pasta sauce. So um, I had to prioritize that personally within myself, aside from everything else and really cut back on, on that, those type of uh, things and, and just make more things from scratch. Right. So you can make super clean pasta sauce from scratch at home for a fraction of the price. So uh, things like that, but, but when you're meal planning, it's not enough to make the meal plan, but then you have to just follow through and make sure that those ingredients you need for your meal plan are the things you're purchasing at the store, right? Because otherwise you'd go to the store and you think, okay, I'll make pasta this week. I'll make this, you know, and you have, you have some things in your head, but then you're going down the aisles and you think, oh, I'll make this, 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 and this. And what happens is a lot of that stuff just ends up sitting in your cabinets for Mm -hmm. month after month, or a lot of the produce, uh, again, you have this idealistic meal plan in your head, but it's not realistic, right? Sure. Maybe I'd like to, um, cook. I love to cook. So maybe I'd, I'd like to cook a five-star meal every day this week, but that's not realistic. I don't even have the time for that. So all of those fresh ingredients would get tossed at the end of the week. And not only is that just sad because obviously there's so many people that could um, use that food. So that kind of made me feel like crap. Like, look at how much money, well, how much food I'm wasting. And then of course, all that food you're throwing out is just money. It is, I mean, you literally could just go take your money and throw it in the trash and save yourself the time of having to go to the store. So making the meal plan, but then being intentional, actually sticking to the meal plan, making what I plan to make, using up all those ingredients. I'm telling you, it does not sound like it would make that much of a difference. It cut our food costs by a solid 50%, a solid 50%. Yep. (laughs) Yep. 
I mean, just by doing a meal plan and like planning the meals around what you already have and so that you're not wasting ingredients and things like that. Yeah. Ours is 50% too. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. That was quite a long dissertation on meal planning, but I'm so passionate about that because so many people, myself included, you just don't understand what an opportunity there actually is to substantially cut back on those costs. And when you can cut your second biggest expense by 50%, that's a a big chunk of change you now have to start paying off your debt, right? Or save an emergency fund. And then if you think about it, if you kind of apply those same principles of just digging in and really researching your spending to your other spending categories, Mm -hmm. And you really can make a a big difference and really create some margin in your budget. Absolutely. And this is just like you said, a great category that you can make a big impact fast because a lot of people that come to work with me, and I'm sure you see the same thing, like this is their biggest category and how you can make an impact like instantly in your next month. Yeah, that's a great point. You don't have to, you know, call all these creditors. You don't have to call service providers. You don't have to sell things. You can make an instant big impact right away by just figuring out a meal plan, a realistic meal plan, just like you said, because like for me, I plan days where we're going to eat out because we have too many activities or I'll plan, you know, when, when I'm going to do crock pot meals, because we have to go straight to a basketball game or something like that. So you do have to look at the big picture and make sure it's realistic and, oh, I can't make a big Sunday meal this week because we have a birthday party. And so, you know, things like that. So you've got to look at your schedule and plan things. So, um, so you created a budget, figured out where your money was going, cut costs on, on uh, your food and meal planning. Was there anything else that you did that made a really big impact, like selling things or other ways to save money, working extra jobs? Because I know you said you worked part-time. Was there anything else that made like a pretty big impact? Well, honestly, I will say uh, one of the things that I think helped us the most and that I I know other people may not be able to relate to this, but we had so many blessings along the way is really the only way I can describe it. And I felt like every couple of months, we kind of had something come our way that was unexpected and really allowed us um, to put a big chunk on our debt. Now, of course, all I really wanted to do was go spend it and go buy things and go out to eat and celebrate and this and that. But along with changing our habits around food, just changing all of our spending habits, probably one of the biggest things I did was keep my butt out of Target multiple times a week. And I mean, we laugh because it's so true and, and most of us can relate, but you know, going through Target for so many of us, you know, we like to call it our therapy or whatever, but uh, I would fill up my cart and I'd get to the checkout and I would expect them to say eh, 30, 40 bucks. And every time they said hundred, 150, 130. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around thinking, who the hell is putting all this stuff in my car? I didn't <laughs> spend that much money, right? There's no way all the stuff in my cart. I actually need it because I wasn't out there buying clothes and shoes for myself. I wasn't out there buying makeup and expensive skincare. I was buying dish towels and garbage bags and, uh, you know, um, body wash, like things that we really needed, but yet we didn't need things that Mm -hmm. I could justify as needs, I guess would be, would be the way to put it. Um, 
and, and really just being intentional, uh, again, and forcing myself to make a list of our actual needs and working really hard to get to a point where I can stick to it. Cause it's very, that's very hard for me. And a lot of others too, um, that made a big difference. It, it, it was really about recognizing our triggers and the same thing for my husband, where, whatever his triggers were and recognizing them, admitting it, accepting that those things make you spin out of control when it comes to your money and then intentionally avoiding them, whether that's Absolutely. unsubscribing or literally, literally um, praying, don't turn into target, don't turn into target, don't turn into target as you're driving by. It sounds... <laughs> It sounds silly, but I mean, if you love Target, you know, it's like an, an, an otherworldly force that just turns your car into the parking lot. We're powerless against it. Um, so that was huge. I definitely went through our house and listed a bunch of things on Facebook Marketplace and Poshmark and Mercari. Um, and it did help. I, it didn't bring us a large amount in, but what I really learned was every little bit does help. Right. So just like going to Target and every little bit of money we're overspending or putting on that credit card, it really adds up over time. And then you think, oh, my gosh, how do I have this huge credit card bill? And I was always thinking we we didn't even spend a lot. Where did this come from? But it's those twenty dollar charges, thirty dollar charges, five dollars here, ten dollars there. And before you know, it, you have a five hundred dollar credit card bill at the end of the month. But it also works the other way. And it really did take us finally focusing on, on this debt to realize it's okay at the end of the month, if we only have maybe 20 bucks to put on it, do it anyway. Don't just make an excuse and go spend that 20 bucks. Cause you think eh, that's not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Let's just go grab burgers or something. It was uh, really just having that mindset of this is our priority. And I don't care if it's a couple bucks or if it's a couple hundred, it has to go on this debt. If we want to make a change in our lives. And we, we both did. And of course, sometimes we screwed it up, but for the most part, uh, that made a big impact. Just those little contributions over time. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, of course you weren't perfect at it and you screwed up at times because sometimes people get in this mindset that they have to do it perfectly or, Oh, I had a bad day. I had a bad week. Well, I'll just start over next month. But just like you said, like, it's the progress over time and it adds up. So you just have to keep going, even if it's a little here and a little there. Absolutely. So I love that you brought that up. So what can you do now that you don't have any debt that you couldn't do before when you were in debt? Like what is that one thing that really could maybe motivate somebody? Like what can you do now that you couldn't do then? Um, can I pick two? Sure. I'll keep them brief. Yeah. Okay. The first one is I was able to leave my part-time job and come back home again and attempt to be home with my kids. Um, now I have my business sense and purpose that I run from home. I don't, I'm not earning, you know, a huge income from it at this time, but for the first time I'm able to be home and not worry how we're going to pay our mortgage and That's not awesome. feel like it's my fault because I'm not out at a job that I despise and wishing I was home with my kids. So yep. that's kind of the main thing for me personally, but for us as a family, I think finally having some savings and finally feeling prepared for what 
may come. I mean, it's going to come, right? The emergencies and the, the things breaking down and the unexpected expenses, they're going to come. And those were the things that always put us in a tailspin, whether they were huge, whether they were small, they always put extra strain on our marriage. They always put a ton of extra pressure on me because I was the one who handled all the finances. Uh, so I would really kind of feel the brunt of, of that pressure. And then just pass it along to my husband who I don't think ever, it's not that he didn't care, but he's not in, he wasn't in the numbers day to day. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes maybe he thought I was being dramatic and I probably was, but it's, <laughs> it's very stressful. And that's not to say that we don't ever have any financial stress because we do, we are, we are uh, running our household at this point on virtually one income still, and we still have a tight budget, but now we finally have some margin. We finally have an emergency fund. Uh, my husband's car needed to be fixed a couple of weeks ago. That when it was all said and done, cost us almost $500. That would have uh, put me into half a depression for probably a month. And I would have been moping around, mean to my husband. We would be fighting. Again, it's not that we never fight, but just taking that layer of additional stress, we have enough stress in our lives, right? And our finances mm -hmm. literally leak into every area of our lives. So being able to remove a huge chunk of that always looming financial debt, it, it just, it has, it has just been such a blessing and I'm so, so grateful. Of course, I wish we would have done it a decade sooner, but hey. Not much I can do to change, to change that. Right. So I'm really grateful that we finally got our butts in gear when we did. And, um, now we finally have a little bit of hope for our future. And I think I just said finally 20 times. <laughs> well, your Sorry. story has been incredibly <laughs> inspiring. And I know that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to your story because they're in the same situation. So is there any last words of wisdom, pieces of advice to uh, maybe encourage them, somebody that is in your same situation that you were in uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, uh, I think my, my words of advice are usually pretty much uh the same it's just start now it is absolutely start now it doesn't matter if you're not ready it doesn't matter if you don't quite understand it doesn't matter if you don't have any extra money the the sooner you start the sooner you can get yourself to a place where you are back in control of your finances and you have greatly reduced your financial debt and you now have some hope for your future as well and every day you wait I mean, I don't, you're just doing yourself a disservice and it's completely normal to feel scared and overwhelmed and confused. And that's why there's so many resources out there like yours and mine, free resources, get online, start watching some videos, start reading some blog posts, start um, making a budget. It's okay if it sucks. I mean, everybody's budget sucks in the beginning, but you will learn and you will improve as you go along. And I promise you, once you get to the other end, you are going to be so frustrated with yourself that you didn't start much sooner. Absolutely. So at the end of every episode, I ask people what their favorite nonfiction book is to just help people improve their lives along the same, you know, with their finances. Cause just like you said, it goes into all areas of our lives. So, uh, do you have a favorite book to recommend? Well, 
if we're looking I love nonfiction books. It's really all I read. I'm a personal development <laughs> junkie. <laughs> I will probably say one of my favorites is called The Richest Man in Babylon. I cannot think of the author at the moment. That's okay. I'll link to it's it behind in the show me, notes but I can't too. see it. Uh, I think what I like about this so much is it's non. Oh, you know what? Richest Man in Babylon may be kind of fic. That's kind of fiction, isn't it? Actually, uh, now yeah, that I'm it's thinking kind of about like it, a, I guess it kind it's of not a is. Novel. It's not yeah. like a novel. Um, it's like so, a par- what a parable is that the right yes, word? A long yeah. parable. Good, yeah. good one actually. <laughs> anyway, it's the reason I love it so much, especially for people maybe who don't love money books. Uh, it has a lot of important money lessons in it, but it's really wrapped up in a story or parable, as you said. So it makes it a very easy read. You don't need a finance degree. You don't really need to know anything. Um, It's a short book, but it really does have some super important lessons. And uh, I don't think I've ever met anybody that's read it and doesn't like it. Oh, I love that. And it really is not even just finance lessons, just life lessons. It's one of my, and it's a very quick read. It's a short book, but it's, um, yeah, it's a very good book. And I, I don't know if anybody's recommended it on here. So thank you. That's a great book. My pleasure. (laughs) Now, where can people find more about, uh, more about you or follow up with you if they have any questions or just like to reach out to you? Yeah. So I am probably most active on Instagram. And I say that with a grain of salt because I take, big lapses when I I need mental health breaks from social media. (laughs) Uh, But you can find me on Instagram and and really any social platform. Uh, My handle is at sense and purpose. And um, you'll see that's spelled out. It's spelled sense with a C, uh, not an S. And um, I also have a YouTube channel where I have well over 150 free videos. If you're not sure where to start, I used to share my personal budget every single month for over two years. I don't do it anymore, but they're all still there. So if you're really struggling to grasp budgeting, you can literally sit there and watch me do my budget line by line. Um, And then otherwise, I would say just my website. It's senseandpurpose.com. And Ashley, I'm sure you'll probably link to it in case somebody's not sure how to spell it. And then you can just get to my YouTube channel right from my website. Awesome. Yeah, I will link to everything in the show notes so that you can just click on over to her links. And I appreciate you sharing your story with us today. I know it's going to inspire some people. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting with you. Thanks. Such an inspirational story. I'm so grateful to have Kristen share it because I know it's going to inspire many of you in the same situation. Now, if you are ready to start paying off debt, don't forget you can get your free budget starter kit at budgetsmadeeasy.com slash start. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and I will see you next week.